Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved, cast out demons, and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of men's souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. It's a real honor to be here tonight with Brother Hank Groover coming to you from Iowa. Iowa is where you're headquartered, my brother? Yes. All right. About an hour northeast of Omaha, Nebraska. And we uh, welcome everybody tuning in tonight. Please also invite somebody to tune in. Just send them to the website, omegamanradio.com. There's a couple ways to listen there. And um, really good to be on with you tonight, my friend. Do you want to open us in prayer? Yeah, hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we come before you just um, with grateful hearts. And we just love to fellowship and share about the good things that you're doing in our lives and all around the world. So, Lord, may we glorify your name. And may the the words that come forth tonight just encourage people and build them up in their faith and challenge them to to get out and go. Go amongst the people to walk, to pray, and to seek your face and watch what you'll do. So we thank you for your, your awesome love towards us, and we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I say amen to that. Brother Hank, welcome back again, and the mic is yours. Hallelujah. So, um, it's been about a week and a half since we, we talked about and we shared out the, the idols that were discovered and um, we, we, we posed of. I, I did post some pictures of those on Facebook today. So, if, if you want to see what uh, they look like, please go to the Henry Groover Facebook page and you can see. Uh, the the idols that were found on the church property in Guatemala there. And um, the last picture in the little roll of it is a fire pit, and you can see that the the idols were broken into pieces. So um, kind of a fun little thing, and if anybody knows anybody out there that deals in these type of antiquities or whatever you want to call them, um, I would encourage you to... Uh, copy paste the pictures reach out to them and see if they can tell us anything about the markings on the the idols i'd love to know how old they are and uh what era they're from um i i fairly certain they're hundreds of years old but I'm, i'm thinking possibly thousands so i would love to to hear if anybody's out there that knows somebody or is an expert in these things and could tell us that they're X amount of years old and they would have been worth a couple million dollars and we just destroyed them because that's what God wanted us to do. So um, I don't think they're worth a couple million dollars, but it would be to find out what they, what they go for on the market. So um, otherwise, yeah, it just, what a what an amazing trip, and we're going to kind of um, finish out the Guatemala trip with this this show, I believe. Um, once again, I was there with uh, my Lopez friends, uh, the Lopez brothers, the three brothers. There's um, Hector and Juan and Caesar, and Hector is the um, brother that has his American passport. He can come and go from America to Guatemala and pastor Juan. He's the pastor there in Guatemala. And uh, Caesar is the one in the United States that is seriously praying about moving back to Guatemala and starting a church close to um, where his brother's church is at, but it'd still be at least a couple hours away with travel and everything over the mountains. So um, please keep Caesar and Angelica in your prayers. Um, if God wants him back there, he's going to open the door, and and we would we would love to see that, and just to see them back with their people ministering to them, and just reaching that country for for the gospel for for Jesus's cause. So, um, yeah, please please keep 
the Lopez brothers and their family in your prayers. Um, the the witchcraft, the spiritual warfare in that country and all of Central and Latin America is very intense. And um, you know, of these testimonies that I've sh- shared, you can you can hear how intense it is. And um, I, I I compare it to this so. When you're on a vacation, and, and me and my wife have, have taken several vacations, whether it's down to Mexico or um, on a cruise ship to an island or something, and and when you're going as a tourist, you can be walking on these ancient ruins and in these different sites. But as a tourist, it's it's definitely different. You're not a threat to the enemy. But when you change from a tourist to a soldier in God's army – that's when things really start to to happen and and there's a battle that's happening there but if you're just on vacation and you know you're just there to to relax and and rest you're not going to experience that same type of battle you will experience some oppression and and you might get a headache you might experience some things that you're not used to um, but when your sole purpose is to to go down there and and pick a fight with the devil, <laughs> um, I can guarantee you're gonna you're gonna get a fight. So uh, that's kind of how I, I I compare it to it. My dad, um, he was he was in the ministry for like I've shared over fifty years, and um, the only vacation that he ever took was i want to say it was about five years ago might have been six years ago now we have a sister who lives in australia and she was visiting the united states with her family and we booked a cruise and we took um my wife's my in-laws my my wife's parents and we're working on my dad and my mom my mom wanted to go but my dad just he he didn't want to take that time out of his schedule and and go on a cruise and <laughs> i think back of this and it just makes me chuckle but the only reason we were able to get him on that ship was because of the i think it was three ports of call in central america so cozumel um i think honduras and maybe belize or something like that three ports of call and one of them, I said, Dad, look, we can go, we can walk and pray some ancient Mayan ruins. <laughs> and once he, that kind of came into his, his vision, he was all for it. But that is the only reason we were able to get him on a vacation. And I have pictures of us walking and praying the, those ruins and you know, five years later to be down there doing that without him has been, um, it's been surreal and, and bittersweet. But just thinking back on that, I was, I was listening to some different podcasts over the, over last week, I was working out of town. And, um, so I, I just, in the podcast app, I, I put my dad's name and, and it pulled up like five different shows. And, um, I was listening to these different shows and and my dad was talking about how he went to Central America and he he got outside the the tourist area. He didn't say it like that, but he got to one of the checkpoints. And we didn't know this. When we stopped, I think it was in Honduras. When we stopped, me and my wife and her, my in-laws, we went out shopping. My mom, she was um, kind of in a – not a wheelchair, but she was she needed assistance to get around, so she didn't get off the ship. So my dad, he just got off, and he was gone before anybody knew. <laughs> he got to that checkpoint, and, oh, he tells this testimony so amazing. It just – these two Latino um, military guys were, you know, who are you? What are you doing here? Why? Where do you want to go? And – and he's speaking broken Spanish to him. They're speaking broken English, and uh, they're telling him, "No, we don't recommend you go outside the the this tourist area. This is very dangerous over there. A lot of um, drug cartels and things like that. And um, you're not you're not supposed to go over there. Are you CIA or you know what are you?" And and I think he said, 
um, yeah, I'm CIA. And their eyes got really big. And he said, I'm a, a Christian in action. <laughs> so he, he's just talking back and forth with them only like he could. And finally, they just kind of throw their hands in the air, whatever, go. Because he, he, he told them, I'm already dead, guys. I'm already dead. My life is hidden with Christ. Colossians 3.3, 3, for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ Jesus. <laughs> he always said, don't go looking for your life. You're already dead. <laughs> so he'd be dead man walking. And after, I don't know how many, you know, minutes, 10, 15 minutes of them talking back and forth, I think they just threw their hands up in the air, whatever, go, you crazy American, you crazy gringo. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, I, I heard him retelling that testimony just last week and um it brought those memories back that that was the only way we got him on that ship on that vacation was because he could walk and pray in some central american countries and it just it it it, um sparked a sermon in my mind and and the the title of the sermon would be are you about your father's business and um my dad was always about his father's business, always about it. And, you know, it, it's it's fine to go on a vacation. We need that rest. We need that relaxation. But just go expecting that God wants to use you. Don't go and, and just be off the grid and, um, you know, you don't need to seek God. No, go with expectations and, and watch what he does. It's, it's so much funner. I mean, you'll, you'll, come back so much more rejuvenated it's it's absolutely amazing those i was in guatemala the 19th through the 30th and so that was 11 days and we were working you know sun up to sundown and well well past sundown but we're working 12 to 15 hour days we're walking three four you know five plus miles hiking in the mountains and everything Uh, we're getting up five in the morning to go visit and pray with people we did that for seven or eight days straight and then we had a a day off but it was it was so you know i should have been exhausted i should have been not able to do function but the holy spirit is so faithful and god will just rejuvenate you when you're experiencing his glory his testimonies you're just so full of energy you're so full of um just what God wants to do through you. And it's so much fun. I mean, I got back and now I've been working at the office for the last, you know, couple months and I'll come into the office. We have a construction business and, and please pray that God will, will have his way with this business. It's SWI windows, doors, and more. Um, we're, we're believing God that he's going to buy her. He's going to send somebody to partner with us. Um, or, Whatever we got to do, if we have to close the doors, we just need that direction. But we're, we're believing that that's going to happen, and we're going to be in full time ministry. But I come back and and I work, you know, a six six hour day in the office, and I'll go out and you know do some errands and things, and work for eight ten hours. But I'm just exhausted. I'm mentally spent. I, I have no energy. And I'm sitting at a desk all day. It doesn't make sense how I can be out in Guatemala hiking up mountains in caves and um, all over the place working 12, 14, 16-hour days and not be exhausted. <laughs> but when you're doing God's work, when you're doing your father's business, oh, it's so precious. It's awesome what he does in your life and your heart and, and your physical strength. So um, just a little little kind of side notes there about are you about your father's business and um, I kind of want to pick up a little bit where we left off last time on the show and this Bible verse comes to mind when I'm uh, talking about all these testimonies and things that God did and John chapter 21 verse 25 um, the Apostle John says and there are also many other things which Jesus did the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Wow. I'm not so sure, but I think that's the last verse in that's the last verse in in the book of John, the Gospel of John. And that verse always kind of stood out to me and 
first off, I'm thinking, dang it, why didn't they write more about what Jesus did? You know, I mean, we have we have a lot, but if that's the case, oh, there's so much we don't know about. So much. And I finally understand why they couldn't do it. And it kind of goes just in those 11 days in Guatemala. God was doing so many things. He was doing it so fast that I didn't have the time to write it down. I didn't have the time to dictate it into a voice recorder. I didn't have the time to type it into my phone or on a computer. So many things are happening so quickly that there's just not enough time in the day to do it. And the apostles, imagine walking with Jesus every day. Every single minute, every single second, something is happening. Imagine that. I mean, you, you it'd be so amazing. Every single second, you're walking down a road and he's healing you know, people with blind eyes. You're walking down a road and, and all of a sudden he's not next to you. He's talking to a woman at a well. <laughs> you're in a boat and you think you're going to perish because of the storm and he's sleeping. <laughs> he's walking on water. He's, he's doing so many things. God is always working. And when he left the earth, he said, if I don't leave, I can't send the comforter. I can't send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is so awesome and so amazing because the Holy Spirit can be everywhere. Everywhere. Anytime. Jesus, when he became flesh, he could only be in one place. Sure, he could translate himself, but it still doesn't matter. He's only in one place. But the Holy Spirit can be everywhere. And so you imagine one person, Jesus in the flesh, walking the earth. (laughs) Now you multiply it times however many billions of people that know Jesus and are walking with Jesus. So you have this insane multiplication factor that God is still working. My dad experienced this while he was, you know, walking this earth. And he would, I've shared about this before that I didn't understand how one person could have so many testimonies and, and many people doubted his testimonies. And this is like, it's not possible for, you know, a person to experience that much. It just, you know, they didn't have the faith to believe it. And even when I was with my dad in my early twenties, walking and praying in Japan, and even, you know, in the United States, he would, we would do a prayer walk or something. And what he could see with his spiritual eyes was so much greater than what, what we could see. And you could tell that. I, I finally understand it now with his testimonies. Because um, we could experience the same events in that, that prayer walk. But when he's preaching about it, he's just telling in so much more detail. And you're sitting there thinking, I was, was I there with him? I know I was there with him, but I don't remember all this. And now I'm starting to understand it's our spiritual eyes. If our spiritual eyes are not open, we're not going to see what God's doing. And so many of us have such a negative, poor attitude in this life. And, you know, it goes back to, is the glass half empty or half full? You know, are you optimist or are you a pessimist? And that's what it is like in our spiritual walk. If we are giving more credit to the devil, of course you're not going to see these things that God's doing. Because all you're seeing is what the devil's doing. And you think, oh, the devil's doing so much. Lord, come quickly. If the devil's doing that much, God has to be doing minimum 10 times more than what the devil's doing. And that's an understatement. <laughs> it's God's math. His math is, is incalculable. <laughs> we can't calculate it. But what he can do is so much greater than the enemy. And, and that's what we've got to realize as Christians. If this power that the devil has is real, which it is. If people that follow him and worship him, if they have real powers, if they are fasting and praying to him, if they are you know, putting curses on people, they're, they're doing all sorts of crazy, horrible things. If they can attain that type of power, we have to be able to attain so much greater power. Once again, it's not for our glory. It's not for our, us to boast in. 
but it is for us to combat it. It is for us to walk in his, his truth, his power. And we should never have to walk in fear. Never should have to walk in fear. I love the boldness that the Holy Spirit gave me in Guatemala. I mean, I love it. I look back now and I think I should have been terrified out of my mind. I should have been scared out of my mind. It just, it doesn't make sense. But that verse, the righteous are as bold as a lion, the wicked flee when no man pursues them. God wants us to be bold. He He has our back. He has our best interest. He wants to, to walk with us. He wants us, more importantly, to walk with him. So um, that verse, John 21, 25, the last book of the gospel of John, the last verse of the gospel of John. <laughs> Just think about that. There are so many things that we we don't have a clue. We don't we don't know about that Jesus did on this earth. And and he wants to he wants us to experience it. He wants us to to show his power. He wants us to to display it for the world to see. He wants our light to shine before men that they would see his good works. And glorify our Father in heaven. So, this this um, chapter, whatever this um, episode would be, are you about your Father's business? And um, I guess where we'll pick off it, pick up from is um, I shared last week about or two a week and a half ago about the idols, and and I love God's sense of humor with that. I just um, in Psalms, I forget which which um, chapter and verse, but it says, "He who sits in the heavens laughs." <laughs> our God, he he's not just that vengeful God that sits in the heaven and and just wants to strike us with light lightning. You know, he loves us. If he's the God of love, he's got to be full of joy. If he's full of joy, he's got to have laughter and just a sense of humor, you know. <laughs> so I love his sense of humor with those idols that the Lopez brothers kept in their house for I don't know how many decades, but over 20 years with the thought of why don't we sell these or what are we supposed to do with these? And um, it's just – God, <laughs> when he sets you up like that, it's just humorous. I, I love what he does. And and looking back on it to, you know, make Pastor Juan think that the idols had just uh, grown feet and walked out of his house or um, flown out of his house just makes me laugh every time I'm thinking about it. But um so that day, that was the the five hour service, and that was the Wednesday before I left. So I want to say that was the last day of of ministry. Um, the following Thursday, we walked and prayed a very very strong place. I think I'll get into that testimony at the end of the show today. Um, but that was the the last day of services, and so leading up to that five hour service was was just so amazing. Um, I shared about the idols and how Pastor Juan came into the service scared out of his mind, thinking that um, they had left his house on their own, and how that woman who had um, caused a church split had left with, I think it was 20-plus believers, and how she got up on stage and started chanting. And um, I actually found my wife found a video of that because they were recording that service. So I have that that. Um, chanting that song she was singing recorded and a couple of people that were up front um, kind of shaking and, and doing their thing. And um, so I, I'd love to have that kind of documentation, but that's what we shared with uh, the last time. And then um, the other thing I love what God does is his sense of humor with the two gentlemen in that church service that I was telling to stand up, stand up, show people your smile, how they were terrified that I was a prophet of God 
telling their their darkest secrets to the church and <laughs> and in all reality I was just trying to get the translation across to stand up and show people your your smile because we got to show the world that we're different than non-believers and so those are things I just love I love when God does that that type of work and and to be able to, a part of it is such an honor so that day that the five hour service, we we started our day and we were just going to go to the city of Saloma. Saloma is the the closest city to uh, Deshup, I believe, is the village where the church is at. And Saloma, it's a decent sized city, maybe twenty five thousand people, maybe maybe more or less. But um, the city is it's a very very wicked city. A lot of drug trafficking and, and human trafficking. And there's a town square. It, right in the middle of the city, huge Catholic church that they say over six or eight million dollars was donated to the church to build that thing, which is just absurd. We walked in that church, and there's, uh, of course, all the images of Jesus on the cross. But they had this um, this clear, looked like a casket in the wall, and it was clear glass, and they had. Um, the body of Jesus in this clear plastic or this clear window. And they had a, um, you know, a, a white, not blanket, but sheet over him and, you know, the crown of thorns, I think on his head. And, and I walk in and, and there's hundreds of candles next to that um, display or whatever you want to call it. And there's people bowing down and, and praying to the, dead Jesus in there. And it just, it's so sad to see that. And all I could do is walk in and say, he's not dead. He's alive, people. He's not dead. He's not in the grave. He's alive. You don't have to, you know, be crying that this happened to him. He did this for our salvation, Stand up. You know, I want to just tell him to stand up. Rejoice that he's alive. He's not on that cross. You don't have to pray to that cross. You don't have to pray to Mary. You can go straight to the Father in heaven. And um, so I'm kind of voicing that in this quiet church and <laughs> English and everything. But th- this massive Catholic church is right in the center of Saloma. And, and around this town square, there's always these... Hummers, these um, vehicles with very large wheels, nice rims, and um, you know, very expensive vehicles that just drive around the town square. And I was in that city, I think, four different occasions. And every single time I'm there, I'm seeing these. There's a red one, there's a white one, there's a black one, and then there's really big pickup trucks and just nice vehicles that same vehicles going around the town square. And so we keep that in mind as I continue to share these, these testimonies. But so the day of the five hour service, it would have been the Wednesday, um, the last Wednesday of the month. So January uh, 27th. And that was the day of the five hour service. We're going to have, a hundred plus people there. So we went to town to get the Guatemalan tamales taken care of. And that's, um, a, like a, a rice mixture with a little bit of chicken in it. And it's wrapped in a massive leaf. And so they, they ended up getting 150 tamales. So we were just there to, to finalize that and do a little bit of shopping. But when we got to town, we started driving around the square and we're stuck in traffic. And by that point in the trip, my stomach is just not agreeing with much of anything. So, um, before we went out, I asked them, I'm like, Hey, do I need to bring my own toilet paper? No, no, you're fine. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to bring my own toilet paper. Praise God. (laughs) So (laughs) I have my little backpack and I have my toilet paper with me and, and we're stuck in traffic. And I'm like, guys, I gotta go to the bathroom. Um, Someone lead me to the bathroom and and you guys just go on ahead, get out of the traffic jam, and we'll meet you up there. So me and Pastor Juan, we get out of the car, and I'm bringing my toilet paper, and he takes me to this bathroom that's right underneath the Catholic church and and uh, <laughs> walk in there. And, of course, they have no toilet paper in there. 
praise God, I brought my own. <laughs> they have no toilet seats, and this is this is an experience. But I didn't have any other option, <laughs> so I am. I get done in the bathroom, and I'm walking out, and um, we start making our way back to the the traffic area, and so we get to that side of the street, and we're looking looking for the car. And we don't see it, so we just keep walking. And, and finally, we see it. We see it's parked on the side of the road. So we get up to it, and we're expecting them to just be sitting in it, but um, they weren't in there. Like, oh. So we're looking around, and, and, and they were standing at a barbershop that was, you know, half a block up. So we go up to the barbershop, and, and I learned at this point that everything in Guatemala takes at least twice as long as what they tell you so if they tell you your food's gonna be ready in 15 minutes it's it's twice as long minimum if they tell you it's gonna take 15 minutes to get to town it's twice as long if not longer so i go to the barber shop and um two people wanted to get a haircut that were with us so i'm like okay how long is this gonna take oh 20 minutes max all right all right we got 40 minutes so i'm like hector let's go like what do you mean let's go walk and pray I mean, we don't need to sit here. Let's go. Let's get our feet out here. So we begin to to start walking and praying. And and Hector, he was the interpreter. He's the um, one with the American passport, so he can come and go. But he's the in, the interpreter for me. And and when he grew up in Guatemala, he used to do shoe shining at the square. So we're walking by that square, and there's a bunch of people. He's like, "Hey, I want to get my shoes shined." So he starts getting his shoes shined, and and we're talking with this. Um, this person that's shining his shoes and, and one of those Hummers passed by. And the, the Lopez brothers had told me that, you know, these are, these are bad guys. These are drug traffickers, human traffickers, but the, um, the Baptist missionary, he, he told me, eh, I don't know. They're just, just people. I'm like, really? It's like, yeah, I see women in there. I see kids in the cars sometimes. They're just, I don't know, they're just people. Like, okay. So I was getting two stories. And um, so one passes by, and I I look to the, the kid shining Hector's shoes, and I, and I don't point to the Hummer, but I'm like, hey, I ask him through Hector, the interpreter, what do you know about these these nice Hummers, these, these nice red, you know, vehicles, Hummers, whatever you want to call them in Spanish. And immediately his head goes down, shakes his head. I know nothing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that answers my question. Definitely, definitely narcos. You don't, you don't talk about them. You don't make eye contact with them. You don't, you know, you don't get in their way, but God had just been challenging me the whole trip. I, I, I really, I didn't have the opportunity, but um, I really wanted to, go up to one of them and just start talking with them. But um, maybe that'll be in the future. I don't know. It just, all I could do is pray, pray for those vehicles and pray that God would get a hold of them and, and send people to tell them the truth and share the truth with them. Um, but the, the Guatemalan people are very afraid of them and um, rightfully so they're, they're doing a lot of, lot of evil things. So, so we get done shining our shoes and, and we just, we, we start walking and praying and um, just walking around the city of Saloma and, and praying and remitting sins and, and just asking for God to pour out his goodness, asking him to send revival, open their eyes, remove the scales from their eyes. Um, when the Apostle Paul had his conversion, it says it was like scales that fell from his eyes. And and that's that's an excellent prayer to be praying for people that, you know, the God of this world has blinded their eyes, ask that God would remove the, the scales and they see the truth, especially with um, people involved in in that type of Catholicism. It's so blended with, with Mayan rituals and everything that their eyes have been blinded and, and they need to see the truth. They need to understand the truth. And I'll um, be getting to a testimony here real soon about uh, a Catholic that was his, his eyes were open to the truth. So we're walking around, we're prayer walking. And, and we, um, like I said, I knew we had at least 30 to 40 minutes at least. And so we walk around, I think it was for about 30 minutes and we get back to the barbershop and, um, 
and both the guys were in the the chair still getting haircuts and so i'm like hey i thought it was only you know 20 30 minutes and they both chuckled i'm like yeah that's all right so pastor juan is talking with the the barber and um when we'd walked up to the the barber shop there is um this younger lady i don't know 20s or whatever but she she had a baby in her arms and she was sitting in the barber shop they had two couches just like run down couches that people sit in and you, you you look at the couches and in america i mean they wouldn't even put them in a a landfill for people to sit at at a landfill let alone a business but you know two couches and uh so she's sitting on there and she has a baby and and pastor juan is is talking with the, the barber and he starts telling us this man's a christian I'm like oh hallelujah and then he starts telling us his story, and I love love his testimony. He, th- this barber. So first off, when we walked up to the barber shop, outside the barber shop, there was a bunch of pots and pans and just different dif- different miscellaneous household items for sale. So you have a barber shop, and then on the there's three steps going up to it. You had all these you know different items that they were selling, and you know it, it's pretty common there that you know you cross collateralize i guess you could say with your business and um sell goods while you're cutting hair i don't know and so i'm looking at all that stuff and didn't think too much of it but he begins telling us this this barber's testimony and um this barber he he was raised in a, a catholic family and he currently his wife is the one with the baby on the couch so they've been they haven't been married for too long maybe a year or less and they they live with his his parents. Well, I don't know how many years ago, but three or four years ago, this this barber is reading the Old Testament. <laughs> and he starts reading about you shall have no other gods before me. And he starts reading about the idolatry that the children of Israel had and and all the things that you know caused them to stumble. And he he gets gloriously saved. He he starts questioning why why are we doing all this idol worship with the Catholic Church, and he gets born again and gloriously saved because his you know the the scales were removed from his eyes and he could see the truth. So he's telling us his testimony, and um, he gets done cutting his hair and he and he starts you know preaching to us, and then he pulls out a guitar, and this barber starts playing the guitar and singing a gospel song. <laughs> it was just like, wow, this is this is awesome. So he's singing a song and we're getting a little bit more of his story. Well, what what really was awesome, after I heard all that, I'm like, Pastor Juan, what, is there anything that the church can use out here of these household items? Because there's really big pots and pans and different things. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we, we could use this, you know, for our meals and this and that. And I'm like, grab it grab it and um so he he's he's picking up items asking him how much they cost and and this and that and and he's like brother this one's really expensive i'm like whatever you need just grab it grab it i, w- I want to bless these guys and so he, he keeps saying oh this one this one's you know this one's a lot of money or blah 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 and i'm like just Juan, whatever you guys will need whatever you can use grab it and so he he comes up with you know uh, big handful of items, big pots and pans and different things. And they they tally it up and they're like 750 katalas. And I, so I pull my wallet out. <laughs> I love how God works. I love it. And I start counting my my $100 katala bills and and keep in mind that $100 is equivalent to I think 7 or 11 US dollars. I think it's closer to 7 750. So I mean we're not talking much. So 750 katalas. I start counting my hundreds. I have 7 of them. I start counting my 50s. Well, that was easy because I only had one. <laughs> then I had like a 5 and a couple ones, which are nothing. That's like 35 cents. So I have the exact amount that they need and I like Praise God, here it is. And so we're talking with him a little bit more, and we come to find out. That was the first day 
his wife set those items outside of their shop. The reason she was doing it is to raise money so they can get out of his parents' house and have a house that they can serve God in. <laughs> it brings me to tears talking about this because it's so awesome what God does. If I wouldn't have had to go to the bathroom, if we wouldn't have been stuck in traffic, we would have just been gone. We had a three o'clock appointment that day, and I'm going to get into that testimony next. But we would have just been gone. But because I had to go to the bathroom, because we were stuck in traffic, because they wanted to get haircuts, God just opens this door for such awesome miracles. So what, not only did that like just boost my faith, it blessed the church, but what did it do to this new couple that just that day put these items out so they could raise money to get into their own house? He had a, a sign up in his barbershop, Joshua, I forget what it is. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. <laughs> God is always working, people. He's always working. We've got to open our spiritual eyes. We've got to want it. We've got to, we've got to see it. It's so awesome. I mean, it's just what it did for so many people. That little thing, it just... It changed my life forever. It changed that family's life forever. It changed the pastor's life forever. <laughs> and that's just the immediate people. What it's going to do in the future, who knows? So I love that. I love that testimony. So that was, this is all on the, the last Wednesday. So like I said, we were going to town just to get to finalize the order for the tamales, 150 tamales. Earlier... During the week, a um, Hector's son-in-law, his dad lives in in the village that the the Lopez brothers are in. His dad, so it'd be Hector's. Um, I, I guess there's no relation, but his 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 son-in-law's dad has a a very had a very very big drinking problem. And he would go on binges and he would he would binge drink for, you know, a month at a time. And he would be walking home with no shoes. He'd be passed out on the side of the road. I mean, he, he just horrible, horrible alcoholism. So um, I want to find his name because I'm forgetting his uh, son-in-law's name. So. He is, he's talking with, with Hector, his father-in-law, and he's like, will you please go visit my dad? Will you please visit him and share the gospel with him? I want him to get saved. And he's using those words. And so they set it up for that Wednesday at three o'clock. They'd made contact with him. And uh, so they, they set it up for three o'clock that day. Well, we went to the city. That's like an hour hour drive and now we're in the city for you know two three hours and we're we're leaving the the city of Saloma at like two two ten or something like that. We've got to get to um Mateo's house. That's his name. And Mario is his son's name. So Mario is Hector's son in law. And he lives in America and um he he was talking to his his father-in-law please please visit my dad take take the american there please i want him to get saved and so they're sharing this with me and and i'm like guys i, I want him to get saved also i mean that that's not the question but this is a lot of pressure <laughs> this is a lot of pressure guys <laughs> i mean i want him to get saved but this is a lot of pressure. <laughs> that was the flesh. And I, I'm thinking about that. And so we're driving to his house and we had just experienced that awesome testimony with, with the, the barber shop and everything. So we leave Saloma and we've got like an hour drive to this man's house. And, and so they're telling me, like I said, they're telling me a little bit about the background and, and that's even making me more afraid. I'm like, Oh my goodness, come on. What are you guys doing to me? <laughs> and um, so I finally just, 
you know, got past the fear and, and put it in God's hands. It's not like it's up to me whether, you know, somebody gets saved or not. It's not my words. It's the Holy Spirit. So um, I just began to pray and, and say, God, you know, let your words flow. Let your words flow. And so we arrived at his house, and it was around 310 or something like that. And um, we go into his house, and he has, he has um, his wife there his grandson and I believe a granddaughter and his grandson I think was maybe five to five to seven years old. And so we walk in and he he sets chairs out and everything. And we begin to just, just talk with him and, and, and Hector and pastor Juan are are telling me, okay, we're going to, we're going to talk to him and then we'll let you know when it's your turn. And so, I'm sitting there and just praying in the spirit and they're talking to him and, and I'm not hearing any of the interpretation. They're just talking in Spanish. And, and the grandson is on the floor playing with toys and he's taking these cars and he's, he's rolling them to my feet and, and they're crashing at my feet and he's laughing and I'm laughing and smiling at him. And, and he's, he's kind of loud and disruptive, but I'm just, loving it. I mean, the kid is just smiling nonstop. And so about five minutes into just interacting with this, this little boy, the Holy Spirit tells me, this is your in. This is your in with them. Start talking about the joy of the Lord. Start talking about you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you become like a little child. Tell them, I want to take their, their anger and bitterness away. I want to replace it with my joy. Tell them that the, their their little grandson's smile is is so awesome. It's so beautiful. It's what God wants for all of us. And and so I'm like, wow, this is good. And and the Holy Spirit's just just speaking to me. And Hector and Juan are they continue to to talk to this man and and they talk to him probably for at least 15 minutes. I mean, they're just going at him. And his hands are crossed, and he's. He's just sitting in his chair, kind of not, not frowning, but he's definitely not smiling. <laughs> and I mean, they're just both. One person's going after him, and then he lets up, and then uh, Juan goes after him, and Hector, and they're like tag teaming this guy. And his wife's sitting off, um, kind of away from him in the same room, but she's just, her arms are crossed, and she's not saying much of anything. So. I'm, I'm hoping that they don't rebuke the little grandson because it, it got kind of loud, but they, they don't rebuke him. And so we're just playing, you know, with the cars, I'm rolling it back to him and, and all these things are happening. And, and, uh, then they, they tell me, okay, it's your turn. And so I just start relating to him what the Holy spirit was speaking. I'm like, I, I love your grandson's smile. I love, I love his joy and and that's what God wants for all of us. He wants to he wants to take our sin and turn it into joy. He wants to 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 get rid of it and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and and I'm just going off on on all the things of uh you know, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you become like a little child and and God wants to set you free from your addictions. He wants to he wants to come and invade your life and and um I don't know, I, I speak for maybe five to seven minutes, and and I ask him, is there anything you want to say? So he's just sitting there the whole time, and, and I felt kind of bad because it's just like so much information's coming at him at once. I'm like, is there anything you want to share? And um, he's like, he says, I believe this year I will I will become a Christian and get baptized. And right when he said that through the interpretation, the Holy Spirit, it was simple. No man knows the hour. Look, nobody knows the hour when they when God removes them, takes them from this earth. We're not promised tomorrow. Now is the day of salvation, and I'm, I'm just encouraging him and talking to him that way. And his wife, I'm looking over at his wife, and she's just kind of sitting there with her arms crossed, frowning. And... So I, I do that, and then Hector and Juan kind of go after both of them a little bit more. And the, the, whole, the Holy Spirit told me that his wife was holding him back because he would look over at her. And so I, I tell Hector and Juan, I'm like, 
stop focusing on his wife. Okay. I, I don't believe it's her, her time yet, but, but he is, God wants to do something in his life right now. And so the Holy Spirit says, ask the wife. I love this. Ask the wife how many candles she has burned for his, not salvation, but for him to be free from alcohol. <laughs> I asked that question. And not of surprise, it was a real quick answer. And she said something along the lines of too many. And I said, you're exactly right. Too many. Let God have it. Let him do it. It's free. You can, you don't have to, you know, this isn't something you have to pay for. It's free. And Hector and Juan were talking to her and, and she, she was really reserved. She, she didn't want to leave the Catholic church. She didn't want to lose her friends. So she is just, you know, standing back and, and not, not ready yet. But he was so, so close. We could just tell it. So I, I asked that question and, um, and I, it must have shook both of them to their core because what happened next was just, wow, God, wow. So I, we talk a little bit more and I say, is there anything else, you know, you want to say or add? And praise God. He says, I want Jesus today. <laughs> so we are just overjoyed, overwhelmed. And we, I asked Pastor Juan, I'm like, do you want to lead him in a, you know, the sinner's prayer or, or, or do you want me? And, and Juan says, I want you to. And so I, I begin to, to lead him in a sinner's prayer. And, and this is the first time I've ever led somebody in a sinner's prayer. And, and honestly, it's always been something I've been nervous about. I'm like, I just scared I'll, I'll say the wrong words or, or have them repeat something that is just weird or wrong. It doesn't sound right. And, but that was, you know, the, the flesh in the early years. This time, God just just let the words flow, and I was able to, um, you know, re- lead him in prayer of renunciation, and and you know, God wants to free you from alcoholism. So we he gets on his knees and and we pray. <laughs> he accepts Jesus into his heart right there. It was so awesome. There was two Bibles on his table in, in his house. And one was a Catholic Bible. One was um, the same translation that I had brought over with me to Guatemala. They wanted the a 1962 version. And I'd found uh, the, I looked at both Bibles and I'd found that date on the, the Bible. So I, I grab it and I bookmark the gospel of John and I, and, and I, I'm giving it to him and, and telling him to read the gospel of John. This is going to come alive in your life now. And, and so we're praying and his his frown turns to smiles and and we're hugging and embracing each other and and um we're getting ready to leave the house cuz the there was probably f- close to 4:15 at that point and um at 5:30 we were going to have the meal before the 5 hour service so the 5 hour service started at 7 but the meal started at 5:30 and um he insisted that we we have a, a meal with him. So we, um, he had, they'd been preparing like a chicken, chicken noodle soup, I guess would be the closest thing to it. And it's, a um, not a delicatessen over there, but it, it's, uh, a, a common, but good meal for them. It's, it takes them all day to make it. And it's just something that they take pride in. And, and so he serves us, serves us this chicken soup, but he sends his, his grandson to the store. And I didn't realize this, his grandson comes back with drinks and they're telling me he's coming back with drinks. And, and, um, he, he's bringing them back in, in bags. And I hear these bottles clinging against each other. And, and of course the thought in my mind is, Oh Lord, please don't tell me there's beer bottles in there. (laughs) And so he opens up the bags and praise God, there's Coke and orange pop and Sprite or whatever else it's all in the glass bottles <laughs> but it's just kind of funny how the, the carnal mind will will think at times <laughs> even when you know the spirit of god is is so strong around you so he he feeds us and he, he gives us you know drinks and it's just a glorious day so we invite him to the the service the five-hour service and um 
and we we rush rush back to the church. So we get to the church and um, I hadn't talked with my family at all that day because we started early in the morning and I knew I wasn't going to be able to talk with them after the service because we were going to midnight. So um, I'm calling my family and and talking with them and sharing about everything that God had done. And um, that was right when I grabbed the idols. When I was done talking with my family and I started walking up to the church, I grabbed the idols. (laughs) And um, I got to the church and everybody was still outside there finishing up their food. And so I dropped the idols in the bush and Hector comes up to me and we're just talking. I'm like, Hector, how many people are here? And I, was like, I don't know. I'm like, how many, how many tamales are left over? And he's like, I don't know. So he goes, looks, and I love this about God. I, I love, <laughs> I love his math. So he, he comes back and he says, there's three tamales left over. I'm like three out of 150. I'm like, Hector, who didn't eat? Like, I don't know. What do you mean? I'm like, I didn't eat. Did you eat Hector? No. Did Pastor Juan eat? No. Because we had just eaten that chicken meal. So <laughs> three tamales were left over and us three were the only ones that didn't eat. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I love it. And when I said that to Hector, he's like, oh, my gosh, you're right. <laughs> That's amazing. So um, that that service I shared last time, how the, the lady was chanting and um how juan was leaving the service frantically thinking the idols had grown feet and walked out of his house and so at the end of that service we got to the end of that service and i was looking for mateo but i i didn't didn't see him in the crowd when i was preaching and and before but we got done at midnight it was just after midnight and who comes up to me shaking my hand with a big smile on his face Mateo, the man that just gave his heart to Jesus. <laughs> wow. So he gets converted and he comes to a five hour church service. I'm thinking, praise God. Hallelujah. Now he um I I've talked with Pastor Juan since then and he is struggling with alcohol still. So please, Mateo Pius is his name. Please keep him in your prayers. Please pray that God will set him free completely from alcoholism. Um, pray that his wife will see that and know that it is only by the power of God. Um, I believe it, it's going to happen. Um, and it's going to be a glorious, glorious testimony for that man. He's going to be able to do awesome things for the kingdom of God. So, um, yeah, that, that ends the, the most amazing day in my walk with Christ. So many testimonies happened that day that, you know, that was just one day, but four amazing testimonies came out of that day. And I could almost write, you know, probably a 30 page book out of that day alone. So you think about the disciples and you think about John saying, I don't think the whole world could contain all the books. That's why he was saying that. Because they were seeing so many things, they they couldn't transcribe it fast enough. And imagine back then, I mean, you're writing on scrolls with (laughs) what, um, I don't know what kind of ink, but it's not like it was, you know, you run out of ink, just grab another pen or you're typing on a computer. So um, God is always working. He is always working. And we just have to have our spiritual eyes open and, and he will... He will show us so many things. We'll, we'll be able to experience such awesome things. Um, I, I think the time is coming to an end. Um, brother Hank, if, yeah. powerful word tonight, my brother. Amen. I am enjoying these testimonies so much. How can a person make contact with you and support your work? Amen. Yeah, so the website is um, definitely the easiest option, henrygroover.com. Go to the Facebook page, and you can see all these pictures. You can see uh, Mateo Pius, uh, the pictures we took that day. You can see him holding his Bible. Um, So, yeah, just just go look at the the Facebook. Scroll through it. It's, It's a lot of fun. I mean, there's... It's one thing to hear it, but to see the pictures that to support it and can give you that that image in your head, it's it's really fun. 
My brother, can we get you back on in April? Yes. Do another broadcast? Yeah. You can speak on anything you want. I've got a couple more testimonies about Guatemala still. Oh, man, I want to hear them. Shoot, yeah. I think we're... Just keep going. Yeah, there's more coming. So Next um, program. Absolutely. Stay tuned for more uh, great testimonies from the road, folks. I encourage you to get over there to the website, henrygroover.com, and you can find out more about the ministry. Support it. Uh, Before we close tonight, Brother Hank, could you pray for us this evening and those tuning in? Amen. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We are... We are humbly coming before your throne of grace. We we can't thank you enough for your grace and your mercy, Lord. We we thank you when you when you set up the the works that we can be a part of, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you that we serve the God of love and the God of all power and all knowledge and most importantly the creator god you've created everything in heaven and earth and and all of creation proclaims your glory we thank you we praise you lord we just ask that you would open our spiritual eyes that that we would see your awesome works that we would witness your power not only in our lives but those around us lord that that we'd proclaim your good works instead of proclaiming what the enemy's doing because greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world you are so much greater than the evil you're so much greater than the enemy lord so we we thank you that we serve the all-knowing the all-powerful god what an honor it is, and we just ask that you would seal these words in our hearts, that you would challenge us each and every day to walk with you. We thank you, we praise you, and we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Hank, we love you, brother. Thank you for coming on tonight. Powerful Hallelujah. hour of testimony. We'll see you back again soon. Praise God. Bless you thank all. Thank you, my friend. Folks, stay tuned as we continue our program tonight. We've got Pastor John Terrell coming up next. Let me save this. We'll be right back. Powerful testimony. 